We are in a series called Free, where we are talking about the five freedoms that make us distinctly free Methodists. Uh, the first week we talked about race, the fact that we should be uh, diverse racially. And, and again, you know, for some churches, this is difficult. If you're in a rural part of Iowa, okay, it's going to be difficult for you. But to the extent that you can, to the extent that those doors open up and other walk through, they are welcome and accepted here, okay? So that's race. We talked about socioeconomic in our history, in the history of the Free Methodist Church, uh, in the history of the Methodist Church, wealthy people would sit up front and the poor people would be in the back because wealthy people would lease their pews. We wanted them to be free. That's our second freedom, freedom for uh, all classes to worship together. And this week, we're gonna be talking about the freedom of the Holy Spirit uh, in worship. Now, this is uh, really important because what had happened in, to the Methodist church was that uh, there would be no, um, uh, you wouldn't participate. There would just be people up here playing music and you would sit and you would listen. And so uh, the, the actual, um, today is just a day, man. I'm telling you. Mark, if you're back there, can you, get this thing to work. I, so this week, I, uh, I performed an upgrade on the uh, computer, and uh, it, it now nothing works. And so <laughs> we are in a series called Free. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with this stupid thing. Good night. And so it's freedom for the Holy Spirit to inspire worship. This morning, I had to start it, start it and restart it, and then finally it kicked off. But when you saw that video of that church, that is a group of Africans that are worshiping God, okay? And uh, it's a free Methodist church. And so in our denomination, thank you so much, you are the best in the whole wide world. Ah, yes. I've I've got the power. Okay. Um, That's a free Methodist church. You know where that church is? Boise, Idaho. Can you believe that? Isn't that cool? And so, so uh, in our denomination, our, we don't decide how each church expresses their worship to God. So uh, in other words, we, uh, this morning, uh, had Anna up here, and uh, that, was, that was different for us. It was quieter, and then next week we'll have somebody else, and there's nobody, uh, 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 you know, no powers that be that go, hey, um, I noticed you had a guitar on stage. Uh, can you come into my office, right? It doesn't matter. I have a friend uh, who preaches in a strictly liturgical style. They, you walk into their church. There's a little bowl with water on it with a little sign that says, remember your baptism. You walk in and you touch the water and you sprinkle it on yourself just as a reminder of the baptism. He, he preaches in a robe. He wears a big cross, right? If I preach in a robe, what? It says Marriott on it, right? That's... that's <laughs> That's, that's, that's about the only robe you'll see me in. I have a big pipe. Be talking about the Bible, but go Gene Scott on everybody. Right? And so that's what he does. And he's, he's free Methodist. All the doctrine stays the same, but the expression changes, right? Back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, there's this thing, and for those of you who are just coming back into church, you, you might have left church during this time for this very reason. It was called the worship wars, okay, which is always healthy in a church to have wars. And uh, what was happening was um, we were transitioning from hymns to bands to, to praise and worship. 
And uh, you might think that praise and worship is uh, just, well, isn't that what it was always been? No, there were hymns. And the church was freaking out because there were drums on stage in some churches. And people would say, if they're, if they're drums, because what they believed was drums was what they'd use for demon worship, tribal demon worship. And so to have drums up here was a, um, was a, was, that's what they believed, right? Okay, and so we say now, like, how ridiculous is that? But it was a really big deal. Hymns were the thing. Hymns were inspired by God. Hymns were the way to go. Hymns gave us doctrine. Hymns were deeper and all this kind of stuff. And that's all fine. Uh, we come out of a tradition. Uh, John Wesley was the Methodist, the founder of Methodism, and his, his brother wrote hymns. He wrote 6,000 hymns. Charles Wesley, he wrote this famous one, O for a thousand tongues to sing. Now it's not, I don't know what that is going on here, guys. Oh, I did it? Well, how come it's not showing up on here? You got it? Okay. You know what? I'm just going to wing it. Here we go. Uh, oh, 4,000 tongues to sing. And so we say, oh, oh, that's a rich, that's a wonderful hymn. But you know what? The church has been getting this confused this whole time. Do you know that if you open up a hymnal and you read, oh, 4,000 tongues to sing, first of all, back in the day, you would never sing all six verses. Do you remember that? I don't know, for those of you who remember it. You'd be sitting there in your pew, and they'd say, okay, we're going to sing oh, 4,000 tongues to sing on, you know, page 424. And you'd go to 424, and you're like, man, that's a lot of verses. <laughs> and then, and then the, the leader would say, we're going to do verses 1, 3, and 7. And you're like, yes, awesome. You want to shorten it up, right? Because we're human. We've done this. And so, oh, 4,000 tongues to sing. Oh, what a great thing. Do you know that the name of the song is actually verse 7 of, of the actual hymn? And in our hymnal, we only have six. We took a verse out of the hymn in our hymnals. Here's the other thing we did, because we wanted to make it easier. We also took out verse 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. How dare you people? Poor Chuck is probably rolling over in his grave right now. That's what we decided to do. Why? Because we needed to make it accessible. Worship needs to be accessible to people. The reason we have this freedom is because in Free Methodists, we wanted there to be a rich and diverse expression of worship. So if you're in a culture that, that, where hymns are not as accessible, then you wouldn't sing hymns. We took uh, uh, away two incredible verses away from O oh, Four Thousand Tongues to Sing. Let's go to the next uh, slide. Sudden expired the legal strife. Now, what, what, what he's saying is there used to be this burden of the law, okay? This, and, and, and it was just a burden. Sudden expired the legal uh, strife. Twas then I ceased to grieve. In other words, I'm experiencing the grace of Jesus. My second real living life I then began to live. Isn't that beautiful? We just crossed that thing out like we just didn't even care. Let's go to the next slide. I felt my Lord's atoning blood close to my soul applied. Me, me he loved, the Son of God. For me, for me, 
he died. Isn't that incredible? I love that. We just took it right out of there. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a section of Scripture that Jesus is talking about. Uh, he's in this region called Samaria, and we actually went through this section of Scripture a year ago. But what we did was we looked at it from a completely different perspective. It's the uh, story of the woman at the well. And uh, she was a Samaritan, and they're in this, uh, this region of Samaria. Last week when I talked about um, uh, the poor and those who uh, want to we talked about the neighbor, and we talked about the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, and I explained last week how, um, uh, how important it was that Jesus crossed these boundaries. That Jesus crossed the boundaries into, I'm going to try this one more time even while I'm talking. Uh, he crossed the boundaries into um, Samaria. He didn't care about race. He didn't care about um, different things like that. Oh, yeah, there we go. All right. Let's go back. Okay. Good. So he goes into Samaria and he meets this woman and, and, and it's such a sweet story. We're not going to read the entire thing, but, um, but getting to it, he basically shows up at this well and she's there. And what would happen is the women were in charge of getting the water and they would normally go in the morning or they'd go in the evening and they'd use it as a time to get caught up. And so they'd go in the morning, they'd gather around the well while, while we were waiting for one person to get water. They'd be talking about, you know, what do you got planned today? And how's Josiah doing? And Hannah and all, all these other things. You know, how, how's everything going? And then in the evening, they'd come back and get water and they'd talk about their day. Well, this woman shows up in the heat of the day. And so as a reader, you already, already understand there's something wrong. She doesn't fit She's not there in the morning. She's not there in the evening. She's by herself. And Jesus begins to speak to her. And he says, hey, can I have a drink of water? And she says, why would you talk to me? I'm Samaritan and I'm a woman. And Jesus says this. Jesus answered her. <laughs> if God. I'm going to get fired today. <laughs> we have an all-church meeting, and everyone's going to vote me out of here. Unprepared. My goodness. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Okay. When you come to church on a Sunday, this church, the church down the street, any other church, although don't go to any other churches, just go to this one. You are worshiping a who. You are worshiping a living being. You are worshiping your heavenly Father who is omniscient and omnipresent. He's all-powerful and he loves you. He's got everything under control. Even when your life spins out of control, he is not out of control. He wants restoration in all your relationships. He wants you to prosper. He wants shalom for you. He wants the way things should be. He knows you're broken, and he's patient with you and gracious with you. And Jesus says, man, we're not talking about just regular water here. We're not talking about just coming and singing songs, what it appears on the outside. We're talking about a who. He would have given you living water, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She goes on, are you greater than our father Jacob, 
who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. And so she's, just like with a lot of conversations with Jesus, she's focused on the external, and Jesus is focused on the heart. These, uh, one of my pet peeves, uh, and everything I'm going to talk about this morning, I have done, okay? So I just want to get that off. Like I say, lots of Sundays. When I preach, I preach first to me, okay, during the week, and then I, I preach to you. Um, someone will say to me, um, they'll, they'll find out I'm a pastor, and they'll say, um, hey, so what's, what's you know, you, where, where's your church is usually the first thing. Well, no, the first thing I say is I should start going back to church. That's the first thing they say, because <laughs> they feel guilty for whatever reason, and then, uh, and then they ask, where's the church, and then if they're a Christian uh, or uh, you know, have been to church, they'll go, um, how's your worship? How's your worship? What they really mean is, what's the style of the band like? What is, do you guys, are you contemporary or classic? Are you whatever? And we do this a lot. I'll, I'll hear long-time Christians go, I didn't like the worship today. What? You didn't like the worship. Your worship? Like you didn't do a good job worshiping? Or did God like lose his omniscience because the drummer was sick? Like what, what happened? How, 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 did, how, how was it not good worship? Because we worship a who. And so regardless of who's in the band or who's on in tune, who's out of tune, uh, are we singing hymns? Are we reading? Are we doing silence? It's a who. And so if we get caught up with the how, that's not free Methodist. <laughs> it's the who. And so he says, are you, she says, are you greater? And he says, Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Watch this. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. There should be an expectation in worship of this God that I'm serving, that I'm following, where I go, Lord, whatever the distraction, let me just focus on you. You are God. You are in control. You hear me. It's not based on how I feel, the way everybody's singing. Did I like it? Now listen, like I said, I, I, part of the reason it's a little bit of a pet peeve is because I came, I, I was a worship leader before I was a pastor. So I've had time to go through a lot of these uh, kind of conversations with people. Um, but, but just the, the heart of Jesus is that you'll begin to see your encounters on the, on the, while you're driving, while you come to church, all these things as acts of worship because you worship a who, you worship the living God. He says, it would, it would, uh, the, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water dwelling up to eternal life. My expectation for worship when I come to church, well, it's di- more, a little more difficult for me because the people on the staff kind of have to run things. Um, but if I go to a place uh, other than here and I just go, I'm just going to worship, I honestly do not care what the music is. Nothing distracts me. 
I, if, if I don't like the wor- music, I focus on the words. If I don't like the words, I focus on the fact that God created these human beings who can play instruments. Isn't that incredible? I'll worship him because of that. I'll worship him because of the creativity that's being displayed on the stage or on the, on the lyrics. I know that there was a man or woman who was on their knees praying just for just the right words to say, to, to um, talk about what, what is on their heart. You can worship, you can worship with that. If, if, you, if it's another language, you've ever been to a church where they're speaking another language, it's so easy to worship there. That's so easy. You just say, Lord, oh, thank you for creating this other culture. And you can just watch just the Spirit of God moving people as they speak in a tongue you might not even understand. It doesn't matter. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, right, so that I I won't get thirsty again. Oh, my good gracious. Um, Can you go to the next slide, please? Thank you. (laughs) Oh, it's back. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Next slide, please. He told her, go call your husband and come back. This is so powerful. So, uh, well, go to the next slide. We can read it ourselves. I have no husband, she replied. Keep going. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. That's a her problem, by the way. Uh, (laughs) And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. She goes on. She says, sir, I can see you're a prophet. (laughs) Or you're just really nosy. Either way. She doesn't say that. I can see that you're a prophet. Now, here's what's happened. And this is so pivotal as we look at our own worship. Jesus is shedding light on her life. Jesus sheds light on her life. He says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five, and the one you're living with is not not your husband. And she says, I see you're a prophet. And watch what she says next. Go ahead. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. What? I think she's changing the subject. I think she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're a prophet. Hey, um, you preach out of the NIV or NASB? Eh, I was just wondering. I just want to know. Do you preach verse by verse or do you do series? Yeah, I just, I, I, I need to know that. What's your, what's your worship like? Do you, do you sing hymns or do you sing? When Jesus is like, no, 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 not so fast. I want to talk about you. Where's your heart? I didn't like the worship this morning. What's wrong with you? Not the worship. When I find myself in a place where I'm rolling my eyes or I don't like this or I didn't like the sermon or the pastor or this or that, this is Jesus' way of, of putting a little alarm in me going, what are you, who are you worshiping? Are you, did, I, did, I, did I jump off the throne and I'm not there anymore because you didn't like something? Did I lose one of my eternal attributes? Did I... Did I not save you and redeem you? Has this become so important to you that you're agitated when you're worshiping me? And see, we get so caught up on stuff like this. 
our ancestors worship on this mountain. You Jews worship on that mountain. Which mountain is it? And God's like, I don't know. I created both of them. I mean, I, uh, who cares? The question is, are you worshiping? Not where, how, who, what worked, what didn't work. He goes from, hey, we're going we're gonna to start talking about what's going on in here with you. And she switches to, which mountain is it? Which translation of the Bible is it? What is it? You pews or chairs? Steeple? Warehouse? Contemporary? Classic? Uh-uh. We can't get off the hook that easy. Jesus asks us, what about you? So he answers your question. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. I, I don't have time to go into all the history of what made Samaritans Samaritans, but the short version is uh, they intermingled with other cultures and they kind of got away from true Judaism, okay? So, um, and he says, we worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Next slide. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers the true worshipers aren't going to care what mountain it's on. They're not going to care what church they're in. They're not going to care what version of the Bible it is. The true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. This is just incredible. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Do you know the Father seeks you out to worship? You know, when you showed up here, he was like, oh, awesome. This is going to be good. I'm going to get rid of the drummer and the guitar player. <laughs> I just want to hear Cheryl. That's it. Go ahead. Whatever. Everything else, just forget it. Yeah. I just want to hear Rick. That's it. I just, I just, ah, oh, let's get rid of all that noise. And then I come into church and I go, oh, no, the drummer is sick. What are we going to do? Worship? That, that might be a good start. The Father is seeking you out to worship him. That sounds kind of egocentric, right? But see, he understands what is going to transform in your heart when you become a worshiper. He knows what's going to happen when you begin to release all those other things. He knows how you're going to be transformed. He knows that the baggage that you're coming in with, the, 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 the anxiety and the frustration, he knows if you would just focus on me, if you would just focus, I seek this out for you because you're going to leave transformed. You're going to leave with all of that stuff done because you're going to be focusing on my attributes, my relationship with you. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus says, but the mountains... There's going to come a time, oh, and by the way, it's now here. I don't know if he did that. There's going to there's be a come a time, and now is, where the true worshipers are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Go ahead to the next slide. God is spirit, and his worshipers must, must worship in the spirit and in truth. Must worship. But the only thing that really, I mean, a church can worship any, any style. Some, some churches don't have any instruments at all. They just sing a cappella the whole time, and that's fine. I, I like that too, whatever. But the only thing that, that can't change is the truth. It has to be the Word of God that's being preached. 
It has to be the authoritative word of God. Other than that, you can kneel, dance, jump up and down, do the conga line. It It doesn't matter. As long as we're worshiping who God truly is, his his invisible attributes, you can worship in just creation, just looking and going, how in the world? 